Um, I have good news and I have bad news. Um, it is that season of the year when your rector loses his voice. And uh, the good news and the bad news is that uh, you may not be able to hear my sermon. And that's going to work out well for some of you and, and probably not as well for others of you. Um, I hate, you shouldn't use that word, my grandmother said, but I hate to be interrupted. I really do. I, uh, I hate uh, having someone or something come into the middle of what I'm doing and cause me to have to change uh, gears. Um, part of that is uh, because there's a part of me that's a perfectionist and wants to get it just right. I think a bigger part of that is that I am a procrastinator. So just getting ready to start doing something takes me about nine times as long as it should. So by the time I actually get around to doing what I'm doing, I don't want to be interrupted. Uh, when my wife and I were young parents, uh, someone brought to our attention uh, the five-minute warning, and we used it with our girls when they were little. If they were playing or doing something, we would, rather than just kind of cut them off at the pass for what was next, we'd give them a five-minute warning that we were getting ready to go take a bath or we were getting ready to go to school or we were getting ready to wash up for dinner. And uh, the great thing about really little kids is they don't know exactly whether a five-minute warning is 30 seconds or, you know, 12 or 13 minutes if you're a parent and you're not getting around to what's next. Uh, my wife figured out pretty early that that five-minute warning wasn't just good for the girls. It was good for her husband as well. Um, it was, she had done it eight or ten times before I realized what she was doing because she phrased it differently. And I called her and I said, you're giving me a five-minute warning, aren't you? And she said, yes, I am. But anyway, maybe you're like I am. Maybe you don't like to be interrupted when you're working on something, when you're at a task. It doesn't even really matter what it is. I think all of us, at some level, if we're honest with ourselves, we get caught up in our own stuff. We get caught up in our own agenda. We get caught up in our own to-do list. And we don't want someone from the outside coming in and interrupting that. Uh, part of it is uh, because most of us, I fear, I know, are just kind of self-centered and self-absorbed. We want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, and how we want to do it. Uh, if you're like me, uh, you're also convinced that you're always the smartest person in the room and whatever you're doing is more important than what anybody else might want or need. I hate to be interrupted. In today's gospel lesson, there is an interruption. Look at it with me, if you will. Our gospel lesson from Matthew, which Kay just read to us. <clears throat> Simon Peter and Andrew are going about their business as fishermen, mending their nets, working. James and John are literally in the boat with their father, taking care of their business feeding their families literally with the fish they catch, feeding their families financially with the fish they sell, and Jesus comes in and interrupts their lives. He doesn't just interrupt their day, 
He doesn't just interrupt the moment. He interrupts their very lives. At this point in Matthew's Gospel, uh, Jesus has been baptized. We talked about that the last couple of weeks. Jesus has been led by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted. And Jesus is now beginning His public ministry, going out and preaching, teaching, healing. He's getting the team together, calling the first disciples. It's an important time as He starts His public ministry And as we look at today's gospel, look at it with me, if you will, we see Jesus do a few things. The first thing that Matthew's gospel tells us in our passage for today is that Jesus heard that John was in prison. This is John the Baptist, uh, a kinsman of Jesus, maybe a cousin who had baptized Jesus just a short time earlier. And John the Baptist was in prison because he had rebuked Herod publicly for taking his sister's wife, Herod's sister's wife. And uh, you don't get to rebuke Herod without uh, some swift and significant consequences. And John the Baptist has found himself in prison. The second thing that we see Jesus doing is Jesus withdraws to Galilee, to Capernaum, to begin his public ministry there. Then Matthew's Gospel tells us that Jesus was preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is right here in front of you, at hand, physically present in me. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I am here. It's interesting that this preaching uh, repentance is the same thing that John the Baptist had been preaching in the wilderness baptism for the repentance of sins. And then Jesus calls. He calls the first uh, four disciples. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He calls Simon Peter and Andrew. He calls James and John, two sets of brothers. And I am struck always by the word immediately. It says it twice. Immediately they dropped what they were doing And they followed him. I confessed at the first two services today that sometimes when I get a call by God to go and do ministry, uh, I am not so eager to do it immediately. These people left their lives, their livelihood. James and John left their father in the boat. There are days when I don't want to, uh, I'll get a phone call that someone's in the hospital uh, in the evening and and I don't even want to leave my couch in a movie that I've seen for 10 times. But immediately these men leave and follow. Friends, as believers, as the church, as the people of God, Christ calls each of us to follow Him as well. We are invited and called to follow Jesus, but following is hard. Following is hard because following ultimately is an interruption to leading. See, we want to be in charge of our own lives. We want to be in charge of our own agenda. Following involves sacrifice. Following involves a giving up of self. Following involves 
giving up our ability to make all the decisions all day, every day, and we are not particularly good at it. Following friends means embracing the interruption when it comes. When that still small voice whispers in our heart to go check on someone, to call an old friend, to stop doing what we're doing in order to do something different that God calls us to. Following is hard. Uh, I tell people that uh, my very favorite game when I was uh, in kindergarten and first and second grade is I loved playing follow the leader as long as I was the leader. <laughs> as soon as the teacher said it was someone else's turn, I turned away to the sandbox or to do something different. See, we want to do what we want to do. We're not willing to submit our will to the will of God. We're not willing to submit our needs to the needs of others. So friends, just a couple of questions for us to wrestle with today, and I'm not going to give you the answers, but uh, I, I want you to wrestle with these things this week. What might following God more closely look like in your life? What might following God more faithfully look like in your day-to-day -day life? And it will be different for each of us. God calls us to different things. He gifts us differently for different reasons and different seasons. So what does following look like in our lives? Number two, what do we need to repent of? Jesus was preaching repentance. John was preaching repentance. Repentance literally means to turn away from something in order to face something else. What do we need to turn away from in our lives in order to follow Jesus more faithfully and more fully? Or a better way to ask that question is, what are the nets and the boats in our lives that we need to leave behind in order to follow Jesus? I imagine if you're like me, some of you know exactly what your nets and boats are. I know what mine are. They've been the same since I was in the ninth grade, and I hold on to them tight. I hold on to them tight. But what are the nets and the boats that we might be called to leave behind in order to follow Christ. Friends, interruptions are hard. Interruptions cause us to take stock. They cause us to leave our own agenda behind. But I think it's important for us to remember that God Himself, in the sending of His Son Jesus into the world, interrupted all of human history. He didn't just interrupt the day. He didn't just interrupt the moment. He interrupted all of human history and sent Jesus into the world to be sacrificed on the cross for you and for me, for His church and for all who would believe and put their trust in Him. Friends, Christ's call for us is the same as it was for James and John, for Simon Peter and Andrew. It is a call to follow. And for good or for bad, it is an interruption. God calls us to Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, 
God calls us as the church to follow where he leads, not where we want to go. It is good news because scripture tells us that Jesus's yoke is easy and his burden is light. But it is also hard news because inevitably it is going to be an interruption. Friend, friends, Christ is calling us to follow him. God wants, thanks be to God, to interrupt our lives. We have lives desperately in need of interruption. And God wants to interrupt our lives. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.